Hello, dreamers. If I was famous enough to have a cult following, I assume that's what they'd be called. Dreamers or sleepyheads, maybe. Anyway, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livinthedream506. But most importantly, keep listening and let me know what you think. My guest today is the bass player for Umphreys McGee and Doom Flamingo and Basic and Omega Moves and The Hazards. He's killing it in all directions. Please give it up for Ryan Stasek. Ryan Stasek, bass player of Humphreys McGee, uh, Doom Flamingo, Basic, Omega Moose. Uh, what else you got on the go? That, that's pretty much the full platter for now. Nice. For now. Oh, the Hazards. I got a punk rock band with the guys from right. Aqueous Hazards, and coronavirus canceled our first punk rock show. So how punk rock is that? You plan and announce your first show, and it gets canceled from a virus. I mean, one step further would have been to actually play that show, but <laughs> it is very definitely true. punk rock. It's very true. <laughs> so how you doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm doing very well. You know, all things considered, I'm, I'm, uh, my family and I are, are very positive in, in making the most of this. It's, it's been uh, a very, uh, very much a blessing to be home. And I have a two-year-old. She just turned two during the quarantine. And I have a six-year-old daughter. So my two girls and my wife, we've really been um, enjoying the time that we have together homeschooling, doing a lot of music, arts and crafts, and, and trying to find that balance and, and keeping it sane. Yeah, if you're anything like me, my homeschool regimen has been a lot more arts than it has been uh, traditional, for 100%. sure. 100%. My, my young fellow is nine years old, so we've really kind of leaned into guitar lessons and sports even, like pool and hockey and stuff yeah. like that, right? So it's a lot, it's kind of fun, actually. Absolutely. I mean, being in Charleston, uh, besides today with all the rain, uh, the weather has really cooperated for us to be outside and in the backyard. They did close down the beaches, which um, I understand um, that that was a that was a rough one for that when they first turned them down because we were out there every day um, and, and very much following social distancing laws. And, and um, I mean, the beach is big enough to do that. But she, my six year old, you know, she can ride a bike now. So she's 
going crazy riding, a lot of bike rides, a lot of walks, trying to stay active so it doesn't turn into a screen time or, or um, even, even their homework is on an iPad, but you can get distracted with the screen time for that. So we do a lot of projects where we'll make her read the instructions. As a first grader, reading is a big thing now. And then we'll bake a pie or she'll do uh, make tie-dyes. And then we, we, we keep the fun part and the fun aspect there so she doesn't get to, you know, six-year-olds have a, they can, they can, they can turn on you pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's the outlook like with all this happening in like the music industry and stuff? Like what's your opinion on it? And like, have you heard anything or have any predictions? I mean, I'm in the same boat as everybody else, but I don't have any expertise in this. I'm an optimist in general. So I'm, preparing for the worst, but I'm hoping and, and optimistic that, that the school year, the end of August, um, the beginning of September, when, when school starts up again and the end of summer's hitting, that maybe we'll figure out a way that we can have uh, sports, we can have social gatherings, we can have live concerts, we can have kids at school, we can safely go to the airport and travel, um, we can get back to some sort of normalcy. Only when it's safe, you know, and, and, and everybody says that, uh, that that is the right move. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. See, with sports, it's kind of different because a a big part of sports is just like watching it on TV and stuff. But a lot of the live music aspect is having that crowd to really fuel the fuel the music. So I'm wondering, like sports are already talking about coming back to empty stadiums. Is that a logical approach for music, like kind of like a KEXP sort of thing and just kind of broadcast it? Or do you think it'll wait until there's actually a crowd? Well, I don't, I don't understand how, if you're going to open up a music venue, how is a band going to go to an airport and travel? I mean, airports have, O'Hare Airport has thousands of people going through it every day. So how, how are you going to say you can't go to a music venue, but you can walk down terminals and gates and security? So I, I just, there's so many facets of leaving. I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, yeah. you start, I start going down these holes where they're like, well, you could, yeah, you can do that. You can stream, you can play here. Well, what about travel? I mean, sports teams obviously can probably have a private jet and they can be tested and they have the money and funding to be able to do that and stay ahead of the, ahead of the game. But you can't on the road and fly to another city. We all live in different cities. How are we supposed to go play a venue in Colorado and then have it be empty, but still have the workers and then travel? I just don't, I just don't know about the logistics. I mean, yeah i don't know man i just don't know yeah i hear you if uh if regulations do start to soften and like 100 person gatherings 200 person gatherings start to slowly creep back into our existence you th- you guys think you'll start touring and just playing smaller rooms intimate venues first and foremost if it's healthy and it's and it's been legally you know deemed by the government that we're allowed to do those things then absolutely but i know um, we're never going to jump ahead of, of what we feel is safe for people. So if that's okay, uh, absolutely. I mean, we don't want to be stuck at home, not, not playing live music. I was watching, a. it's funny last night, my, my two-year-old doesn't know what my wife, Mary Welch and, and what I do for a living. I mean, she just turned two, you know, right. she's just having fun and around. So I turned on, this YouTube stream of the guy, Michael from guitar gate where he teaches lessons, yeah. but he reacts to his first show. And I thought it was, it was a hoot. I was like, my six year old has been on YouTube and she watches kids comment. I guess that's a thing. Like people watch things. They, who, who knows? Um, right. So 
I was like, okay, well, this is daddy's concert. And this is a guy watching it for the first time. And these are his reactions. And then I had both my kids next to me and he was sitting there and he, and it was great. It was, it was, it was very, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but I also enjoyed watching our show, man. And I realized how much I missed playing. And uh, he said, in the, he's like, so who wants to go see a show right now? And part of me, you know, just started to, to tear up a little bit and not sad, depressed tears, just happy tears of being like, man, I love playing live music for people. I love being out there touring and being able to do this. And, and I know how much people love going to see live music, as do I. It just made me think, I was like, oh, man. However, I was stuck, not stuck. I was sitting there with both my daughters next to me and my little one being, daddy, daddy, looking up at the screen and kind of seeing like, seeing that I'm up on TV. And um, it was a special moment, whether it's, you know, I'm staying positive, but it was just interesting to see it's bittersweet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely get that. If it drags on too long, do you think there's a, a possibility that you guys all drive to the studio and have a little band retreat? I mean, we're already doing that. I, before I, I woke up, uh, today's my work day. I get Mondays and Wednesdays. My wife gets Tuesdays and Thursdays, which try to balance out uh, um, helping each other out. And, and uh, this morning, since 9 a.m., I've been laying down bass lines and, and drum loops, and I'm sending them over to Chris and Jake later this afternoon. So we're doing that. We're we're getting things done um, remotely from home. Everybody has a DAW system, and and we're we're getting better. Some of us are better at it than others. I'm 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 on the back end of the slow learning learning curve here, so um, it's really uh, it's really fun because I'm I'm finally learning how to how to use Ableton and, and get into it. So new music, I don't think is going to be a problem uh, when we are able to go to the studio a hundred percent we're gonna we're gonna do some retreats and we're gonna figure out ways to get there we had booked studio time in nashville which is um most likely canceled due to this and and travel so uh it, that is definitely in the forefront of our you know in our future yeah and you guys just released uh eastern quarantine but yeah that was that was just jake and brendan is that right yeah yeah, Jake. Yes. Jake has a Jake has a studio in uh, Niles, Michigan, where he lives, um, off of his parents' place. And Jake is he plays every instrument um, perfect. I mean, the guy's a virtuoso. It's it's really great. He even busted out the sax, and uh, he had he had laid down uh, that ballad, and he sent it to Brendan, and Brendan came up with the melody and the vocals, and the two of them popped it out, and uh, it was sent to me finished. So I, I got it finished. I was like, ah, oh, this is beautiful. This is awesome. Sent it back. It's like, great job. Um, and then we, we talked about, you know, how we're, every person in the band is trying to stay, you know, stay, stay positive and, and, and push out content and, and um, keeping musical as on Freeze McGee. I know Brendan does streams on Fridays. Joel does them on maybe Wednesdays. Uh, Farrick's at home doing art and making beats. Um, you know, Chris and I are trying to learn uh, our Pro Tools in Ableton and send each other tracks. And um, Chris has been doing some some videos of drums. And uh, I've been talking to the Doom Flamingo guys. We're working on new music. Uh, and then we're teaching lessons. A few of us are teaching lessons, too, which has been super positive. Nice. Yeah, you guys are have always been really known for ingenuity. And I mean, like with Humble and headphones and snow cones and just cool ideas that you guys always bring for the fans. Is there any new new ideas that have been kind of birthed during quarantine that you guys are working on? I mean, we're always 
having those nights of the round table meetings and throwing, throwing as much art and idea at the wall and seeing what's going to stick. There's definitely um, a little bit of a scare that if this does like hypothetically go into late 2021, we need to figure out how to pay our bills, you know, and how to, how to keep a, a business from, from, uh, you know, sinking and never coming back. We worked hard for 22 years to do this. Um, there's no ideas that I could tell you right now that are in the forefront of, of, you know, of working, but we're, we're trying, I mean, the live lessons, um, masters with the, the Mark Brownstein and our friend Alicia started, uh, we've been diving into that and just, just, I mean, the, the main part is staying sane, keeping the sanity there, you know, keeping, uh, my marriage and my children and that relationship. I mean, all these relationships, it's pretty new for us Humphreys guys too, because we leave so much. And then when I was in these other bands, I was leaving even more. So it kind of was a nice reset button to say, Hey, really enjoy this time with your wife and kids and, 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 and find that balance. Um, so we're trying to do that. And right now I think that's where, that's where we're at. And, and then as we stay home longer and quarantine longer, maybe there'll be more ideas for us to, to break out as, as a group of Humphreys, but we're just staying the course. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned being at home with your family, uh, Tara Gracer sent a question in and said, do you have any advice for being the only man in a house full of amazing women? <laughs> I don't have any advice. I definitely <laughs> don't have any advice. Um, I, think maybe I do my best advice is um keep your mouth shut that's usually the best <laughs> that's for sometimes, any household so that that's that's for any that's for any husband or dad yeah sometimes you, you really just got to give yourself that three second uh you know barrier of being like whisper that to yourself and then really think does that need to be said <laughs> what's going to yeah. be the outcome of uh of that response so I think that's in any relationship, whether it's a, a marriage, your spouse, your lover, your kid, um, fuck your dog, who knows, anything, <laughs> just anything. Maybe sometimes it's better to just roll with the punches. But um, I'm loving it, man. I really am loving it. The, the two-year-old, is she's feisty as hell. It's, it's super fun. You're always on your toes. I can't, I, I can't really leave her alone for two seconds because she will find trouble. So Mary Welch and I are really balancing that. Our six-year-old, um, and because of the two-year-old, is very independent and, and can, can do most things um, by herself if we tell her to and, and follow up. So that's, that's, she's a huge help and a great big sister. Nice. Is she, she into the bass or drums? I, I've heard you say she just drums. a drum lesson. Yeah, I, br I brought her up last night again. I have, um, let's see if you can see it right here. I got a little pearl set over here beautiful and uh missing my symbols they never made the move i don't know what happened to them <laughs> in the move so they're they're somewhere so they're sitting somewhere um so she learned we will rock you and we're, we're getting her timing down you know you right how to how to hold the sticks she's she keeps begging me she's like Can we facetime chris Can we facetime chris i want a drum lesson <laughs> but her favorite thing is is uh vocals too so Kanika from Kanika Moore, the lead singer from Doom Flamingo, she uh, I recorded her singing uh, one of her little original songs, which maybe we'll write some original punky tunes while we're in quarantine too. See, that's a lot nice. of uh, like you were saying before, you're 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 going off from the curriculum and doing your own thing. It's leaning toward arts. I'm a firm believer that that is that is getting things done and being productive and and using the the artistic side of the brain. So vocals and drums, she's into. Her hands are kind of small, so I have a bass and a guitar for her, but she's just not really ready to, uh, you know, I might have to give her the ukulele first. But Mickey is definitely 
going to start off on drums because she likes to beat the shit out of things. So <laughs> Nice. You also mentioned the live lessons, the thing that's going on. My buddy, Dan Herco, um, shout out yeah. to Dan, actually. He, uh, he makes custom Umphreys frames. He, he has uh, his business, Herco's Handmade. Yeah, so he does, uh, he does the custom framing. He does crazy work. He wants to know uh, what can he expect from his upcoming bass lesson with you? Um, he knows. I've, I've been talking to him <laughs> on, on the sides for, for what to prepare. Uh, my main goal in teaching the lessons is I want to make sure that whoever is taking the lesson, that, that whatever they want to learn or whatever they want to do, that, that I'm able to provide um, something that works for them. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk the whole time and say, here's the C major scale and we're going to go up the modes and just teach them and go and do it. I mean, that's great. That's, that's to learn, but I don't want to talk the whole time. I want to figure out where that person is musically, what they're into, what, what they're struggling or with, or, or if they want to just pick my brain and see how I react or think. Um, a lot of my lessons have been around improv and, and making baselines creative and, and getting out of like a, a rut or the same, or the same, the same box and playing with Umphreys. I mean, 30% of the night is improv. So, you know, I've been with those guys for over 20 years and some of it comes very naturally natu natural for us. So it's, it's fun to teach um, just some of the tricks and, and secrets of, of what we do and, and how, to, how to make that uh, easier to use in their own band or, or jamming. And, and, um, and just starting there, it's not as, um, it's definitely not like a Berkeley um, bass master's course. <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more trying to share what I, what I know and what I can teach um, so they go, they come away with, uh, you know, learning more about their base and, and, uh, and definitely, you know, being, having a positive and fun experience as well. <laughs> hey, Pony's got a new base.
another aside, my son, Michael, he had three great questions for you. So he just wanted to say, hey, and uh, he, uh, he wants to know what your favorite chord is, what's your favorite riff you've ever written for Umphreys, and what's your favorite Umphreys song? Um, all great questions. All great questions. The favorite <laughs> riff that I've written um, just happened this morning that I'm going to send over to the guys. And maybe that's just because I like new, I like new stuff. And that'll, that'll definitely segue into my song to play. Really, it, it, there isn't one. Uh, it's my mood. It's my reaction to where I'm playing, who I'm playing for, how far away the people are when I'm playing. Um, I prefer those smaller clubs where there's no barrier and I can smell people and you can see the spit <laughs> coming back and, and you could, you know, I could touch them if, if, if I wanted to. Like that kind of intimacy and vibe calls for a different, a different energy with the song. Sometimes I have to play Wizard Burial Ground and I love it because I want, I want the heavy, fast stuff. But sometimes something like Upward or Hajimamashite, where the vocals tend to take more of a, of a front seat for me, and the, the bass line is, is doing what it's supposed to do in simplicity and play its role. And then I can do that with such you know, feeling and muscle memory that I'm able to go out and experience what the fans are experiencing or how maybe the guitar or drums or vocals are affecting the people in the crowd. And I can relate to that. So that, so I don't really have a favorite song. I do like playing some that, that, um, that we don't get to play too often. I, I enjoy busting those out um, just because it's new and it can be challenging when you don't play them for a long time. I'm sure that our first show back is going to be pretty challenging in general because we're going to be so rusty that we haven't played with each other. <laughs> um, and what, what was the third question? I think I got two of them there. Favorite chord. Favorite chord, man, that one, that's a good question. I just, I don't know if I have one. Let's just go with an E major seven right now. Just the, just the, the pretty on a, on a bass. We'll say the, that upper register, your, your, your one, three uh, major seven right there. I like that. I, I can't remember. I, I, uh, we had Joel on the show last summer and I feel like that might've actually been his answer too. an E major. <laughs> I think really? so. I don't want to quote, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure. I guess I would have guessed a C major for Joel. <laughs> it was Mike. Michael's favorite question is to find out what everybody's favorite chord is. So that, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, mine, mine is definitely not as I'm sure if you asked Jake, he would have um, a much more complex answer for his chord, <laughs> but, but there's just something pretty about that major seven up high on a bass. So you talk about liking being able to smell the crowd and stuff. Is that your like? Is that your background, like punk and metal? Like, is that well, your roots? All right. Well, let's let's dig into it. For, when I was born, um, my parents weren't huge record collectors, or um, they, like they, I didn't come home and it was always new music spinning and stuff. My dad listened to um, oldies and Motown. Um, he had Zeppelin and Beatles records. They were there. And then all the, my mom, and then my mom had, uh, all the eighties collections too. So I remember spinning 45s of foreigner and hollow notes. And that was what was around. Um, so when I started discovering music myself, it was going to the bus stop and having a Walkman and seeing what my friends were listening to. And my friends, I remember Michael Jackson, my first, uh, cassette tape was Prince Purple Rain. And then we are the world. 
I think right around there. And then, uh, then I got into Aerosmith and Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. And then when I moved from Pittsburgh, where my entire family moved, up to Michigan, it was just us, I met all new friends, and it was just like starting over like a reset button. And that's when I met Guns N' Roses, or Guns N' Roses was introduced to me. And that was like life-changing. So I was like, man, I like dangerous rock and roll. That's, that's, that's me right now. That, this is what I'm drawn to. And then living in the late 80s and early 90s in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, bands were touring arenas. I mean, that, everybody was still playing arenas. And Kalamazoo is right in the middle of Detroit and Chicago. So on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you get all the hard rock bands and, and they would stop in Kalamazoo. So I would go out on school nights um, saying I was going to study group and I'd be going to see Nirvana or, <clears throat> I mean, everybody, Smashing Pumpkins, Pantera, hundreds of times, uh, the Meat Puppets, White Zombie, um, Henry Rollins, uh, Beastie Boys, uh, Lenny Kravitz, Black Crows, like all these bands were just always coming and, and it was great. But I, I gravitated more towards the heavier stuff. <clears throat> but I had an appreciation uh, for what my other friends liked the music. Like I wasn't a hip hop guy, but I loved all Tupac stuff, me against the world record and stuff. I really got into the bass line, but I wasn't a bass player then. And then when I moved to, uh, when I went to South Bend for school, you know, I started seeing fish. Um, I always loved the Grateful Dead because of the people I hung out with in high school, even though I liked the heavier metal, heavy metal stuff with Iron Maiden. And, um, and then I got into, you know, improvisational music. And I think the scene, seeing fish so much, uh, I was really into the, you know, it's college. You're, you're an 18 year old hippie running around the country, seeing <laughs> an awesome band and, and hanging out. I mean, the scene was, was awesome. It was just a, it was a part of my life. Uh, and then when I picked up a bass, I really started digging deep into bass players. You know, Jocko Pistorius changed my life. I was like, wow, how did I not know about this? How come nobody showed me this? Right. I had not discovered this when I was young. You know, and then I went down that hole and, um, and now I just, I love everything. And I let my, I let, I try to push stuff on my kids and, but I want them to like whatever they like too. Amelia's six. So if Punky wants to spin, um, some records, I let her pick it out and, and, uh, and I'll, I'll open my mind and listen to it too. So you saw Nirvana back in the heyday. Yeah. yeah. What year, what year did you see them? It was in utero tour. So that had to be 93. Just perfect timing. Yeah, it, it was the year before um, before he died. Yeah, so, yeah, and and I was uh, I was grounded for uh, I had a I had a sharp tongue in my uh, high school <laughs> years, and my mom would take away privileges, and I lied and said I was going to a study group, um, and I went to the concert, and I'm okay with that lie because <laughs> it was awesome. How big was the venue that you saw them in? Kalamazoo Wing Stadium is, um, Umphreys has had, actually played it a couple times. It's a um, minor league hockey arena. Oh, so nice. Maybe 10,000, 15? Not sure. Nice. I mean, I was on the floor. I was, I was crowd surfing. <clears throat> you know, it was, I was, I was into, I played high school hockey. I was into physical contact, you know. Right. And if you're in the, if you're in the pit at a Pantera show in the 90s, there's some physical contact going on. Now I stand up, I sit up in the bleachers you know, <laughs> yeah. and then, and, and watch. So yeah, man, you saw some crazy shows back in the nineties then, eh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and you played hockey. Do you still play any sports? Do any pickup stuff or do you even have time for that anymore? Um, 
I, if, if I can get some ski days in, I grew up skiing, so I'll ski. Um, if we're on the lake and, and there's, you know, some scurfing, um, that is how I broke my, my pinky though. So I need to be a little more <laughs> careful with that. I don't play any like pickup, uh, hockey leagues or anything, but, but I've always been, um, into sports and, 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 uh, you know, maybe now it's, it used to be kickball. Kickball was my, was my go-to, but I had to, I had to retire. Yeah, I remember that. I was at a couple summer camps with that. Oh, yeah. Always a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. As a sports fan, do you have any pre-show rituals or superstitions that you stick to? For, for, uh, for Umphrey shows or for my teams? Yeah, for Umphrey's. Um, I mean, I do. I, I, what I try to do, I'm, I'm better when I have a routine, even at home. So on the road, I'm trying to be healthy when I wake up, either, you know, at the, we, we all, the bus is always at a hotel. So you try to get some sort of workout or, or hot tub dip in or some, or some sort of exercise, but I like to get to the venue early and set up my own little pwn zone, a little station so I can warm up on the base, go through some daily exercises and, and get ready for sound check. So my rituals there are kind of like to get that focus, get to the venue early and kind of get the vibe, you know, the, 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 the backstage. And, um, from there it's, it, 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 you know, there's, there's a small window because you sound check then you have to eat and then you either get a dad nap or you keep practicing before rehearsal and then there's rehearsal and then there's the show. So it's, there's a lot going on. It's not a lot of free time um, besides your dinner. So the ritual is, is mainly get up, try to be healthy for a little bit and then get to the venue and, and get my zone there and warm up. Yeah. And your intro to jam you said was fish. So how many times did you see fish back in the day? Oh man, not from 95 to 90, well, I guess all the way to, to when did they quit? When Coventry was 04? 2004, so, yeah. Yeah, I saw, I mean, majority of my shows were 95 to 2000 um, because Umphrey's started touring in 2000 pretty heavily. So I wasn't able to, uh, even though I, I think we played in the late 90s, we played at Deer Creek after a few fish shows in the, in the campgrounds. Nice. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's over 50 for sure, but majority of them were, were, were 1995 to 2000. So that's what kind of sparked your interest into like the improv jam game. Well, I don't know. I, I met Brendan Bayless at Notre Dame and, uh, he didn't have a guitar. So I gave him, I gave him my guitar. I actually have it right here. The, the guitar I gave him. I said, you can take this, my black and gold Les Paul. And, nice. um, I, and I gave him this little PV amp and, and he was really into fish, like really into fish. <laughs> and I, we had similar tastes with classic rock and, and our love for Guns and Roses and Snoop Dogg and those kind of things. So we, we, there were a lot of similarities there and we were vibing. I was like, okay, I could, I could make music with you. So um, we, just started, we just started jamming, you know. Grateful Dead, Fish, that kind of improv, just really taking chances and, and playing for our same five drunk friends, you know, repeating a lot of the same songs <laughs> over and over again right. uh, daily, daily. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what started it. I, I didn't grow up um, a jazz guy or, or, or get deep into uh, other bands that were imp improvising that way. It was more the, the jam band scene.
So then I saw you guys in 2009 when it was your birthday show when Mike Gordon went up for In the Kitchen. Oh, so, Vermont. So I must have Yeah, Vermont, right. Higher ground, yeah. That was awesome. That was must awesome, have been a pretty man. cool experience for you. It was totally cool. And he's a, he's a cool guy. Um, we've hung out a few times, but that was, that was pretty special. Got to play my bass, went up there, played like a, in the kitchen for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or something. That was pretty cool. I was thinking about that too that night. I was like, it's cool that he sat in for Stasic, but like, was it different for you? Cause you didn't actually get to play with him. So like, is the experience kind of different that way? No, not at all. Majority of, um, majority of bass sit-ins I do give my and go take a piss and hang out on the side and have a beer and watch and I love that I love that right. I think and I'm all about two basses playing at the same time but it tend it te- this tends to happen when you get two bass players up there there always is like the everybody stop and it's like a bass duel right or it's a okay bass solo bass solo and I don't think anybody needs two bass solos back to back no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding but I mean uh, uh, we I've had a lot of um, a lot of bass players come up and sit in and I am happy to 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 give them um, the bass the amp the reins and, and and do it Phil Lesh did it in San Francisco O'Teal's done it a bunch and it's an honor to sit in the side and watch O'Teal play and be like wow Look what he's look at the music he's creating from my bass. You know this is this is awesome. So it's a joy for me to do that. But we've I played up there too when when uh, we've done two basses um, several times as well. But it doesn't matter to me. It's fun. Definitely fun. Who's a uh, is there any bass players out there that are still touring that you'd like to play with or have a sit in? Oh, for sure. I mean, nobody's touring right now, so <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, Umphreys is we've had uh we have we're all about having people come up and jam and do sit-ins um i'd say drums and bass is probably the the fewer amounts of people that have sat that have sat in with us though say more guitar players and vocalists um or different instruments that aren't in in umphrey's band but i mean there's uh, there's so many great players out there it'd be, it'd be too hard to uh to start listing though i though i do uh I, I there were a couple shows that i got to see right before um COVID-19 hit and uh one was uh Garrett Sayers the motet played here in Charleston and he's one of my favorite he's he's one of the best play, best bass players out there and I went to the show with uh with Chuck the bass player from uh from Sturgill Simpson because they were playing the next night so it was oh, a good cool. bass player hang um all three of us getting down and then I went and saw Sturgill Simpson play in Charleston too which was uh I think their last show or second to last show, which is kind of crazy because I bought a tour t-shirt and there's about 25 dates on the back that never happened. So you think about oh, yeah. like, like our, our Iceland shows, people have posters from Iceland and the, it, the show doesn't exist. Right. So I have this, this Sturgill Simpson <laughs> tour t-shirt and the first, the first like 10 or 12 dates were shows that played. And then the next half of the list is all it just never happened. So it's very unique. Yeah. yeah, that is a weird, weird situation with all that merch. It's almost like the uh, the runner up in a Super Bowl yeah. t shirt. <laughs> yeah. Send them overseas or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you're always talking about how you're really a, a comedy guy. Who's who's some <laughs> of your favorite favorite comedians? I think I'm funny. I don't know if anybody else does. <laughs> my my wife reminds me of that. No um, comment. So <laughs> so George Carlin, obviously, from the very beginning. Um, Greg Giraldo, Dave Attell. Um, I love Bill Burr, obviously Chappelle. Um, I like, I like smart comedy. 
too. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of just insult. And, uh, I feel like it in, just, just straight insulting all the time or where it gets to be mean. That's, that's not my favorite type of comedy. I like, I like a, a little more um, smart comedy, to be honest. But, but anything, anybody, because I respect anybody going up there and just having a mic and being brave enough to do original material. Shit, I respect anybody going up there and just repeating jokes and just having the <laughs> balls to do that. I mean, that, that's hard too. It's, it's, such a, it's, such a, it's such a tough um, form of art to go up there and be like, all right, I'm going to make people laugh with this microphone. Uh, it's different than music, you know? And a lot of people say like uh, rock stars want to be comedians and comedians want to be rock stars. And there's this whole cross pollination yeah. with all of that. I mean, uh, I've never done legitimate stand-up. I make notes a lot and, and been writing some funny dad bits and I'll run them past <laughs> my wife. And she's like, no, that is not funny. <laughs> Just your, your timing and all of it, just delete. So <laughs> that's she, how you know it is me. funny, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just enjoy it. I, I have a well, when I used to drive, I have XM, uh, the Netflix is a joke, and the 93, 94, 95. I got all the comedy channels on uh, favorites because uh, when I'm not listening to music or sports betting, I'm listening to comedy, which is a lot. Yeah, it sounds like you like the New York style comedy a little bit, like the East Coast genre, I, I mean, guess you'd say. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just, I like it all. I, I just like when, I like originality. I like when people are smart. I like, uh, I, I like it all. I like when people are super dry and they, and they maintain it and they hold it. And um, I like observation comedy. I mean, I like raunchy, dirty, dirty comedy, you know? Right. I enjoy the roasts. I enjoy all the roasts. And uh, Yeah, the, for sure. The bumping mics with David Tell and Jeffrey Ross. I love that stuff. Yeah, that's where Geraldo actually used to really shine was the roast. He was just, yeah, man. he was one of a kind. He was unreal. Um, if I could make a recommendation and not based on his, uh, his personality or his recent accolades, but uh, the new Louis C.K. special is phenomenal. I'll check it out. I haven't, I, somebody sent me the link, but I just hadn't had time to, uh, yeah. to see it. Is it just uh, a is it, natural? Where is it? Is it on Netflix? Is it on? No, he released it on his own website. So you okay. have to re rent it or buy it on his his website. Sure. Okay. Or uh, find a find a stream that. I like supporting that... the artists if if uh, if you know they're going to be supportable. I know people get mad too because you know um, there's a lot of uh, stuff that has happened with a certain artists and and separate the art from the artist for now. Right. Exactly. Michael <clears throat> Jackson. So. Right. Um, uh, if it does get to like the wild, wild west scenario with art and stuff, like, do you think it'll get to the point where there's like underground shows, almost like underground underground gambling? Um, I, to, I, I don't know, and I, my gut says I hope not, because if it's not safe to do that, and we're not being smart because we're not thinking about others uh, with common sense, then I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. But I mean, I'll be a part of an underground gambling game any day because i don't think anybody's really getting, getting hurt in that uh i just i think just as long as people are being smart and we flatten this curve and, and make sure that orchid have a solution um until we're there um the music will keep coming it's just going to be interesting on how we receive it you know yeah so we got a few questions to finish up with uh sure and then i'll i'll let you get get going um Boris Adamak wants to know, and we'll kind of 
assume everything gets back to normal. Can we expect another Woodlands? I God, I hope so. Yes. My, my answer is yes. But again, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a soothsayer. I just don't, I can't predict the future, but I certainly hope so. I love that venue. I love, uh, I love the people that own it. I love uh, that it's here in Charleston. Um, in, in that time of year, maybe not the, the time last year when we we're in 30 degrees, but usually it's gorgeous down here in South Carolina. So I think it's got everything. It's got everything, all the ingredients for uh, fantastic potential. Nice. Jordan Pierce wants to know how fast can you shotgun a Budweiser? Ah, uh, I mean, what's fast? Probably four under four seconds. Is that fast? <laughs> I don't know. Can, let's see it. <laughs> do, Live do demo. In the, in, yeah, it's a little early to be shotgunning the beers, but uh, I, I've been known. I've been known. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say under five seconds. Beautiful. And Terry Racer wants to know what's your keg stand record. Oh God, you have to take me back to uh, back to the days with Bayless. I think I got like a 39 or something, but I will be honest. It was kind of what it wasn't flowing as fast. <laughs> you were a little sudsy was happening there. I think that helped. And the count might've been a, people might've been pushing the count a little bit there instead of staying on the beat. So it's up in the, up in the thirties. So there's an asterisk against that record. For sure. Steroids were involved. <laughs> I also, I, I honestly can't remember the last time I did a keg stand. It has to be, I mean, I don't even know if, it's a long time. It's definitely it's a long, long time. Long overdue. Once, uh, <laughs> once everything's back to normal, you guys will be keg standing mid-set. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know about mid-set. Maybe post-show. Post-show. Right. <laughs> um, how many shots from Miro have you done since this quarantine started? There's, a, there's been um, an abundance of shots. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I, I respect people's sobriety, I, and I'm not pushing alcohol on anyone in all seriousness. I'm going to be honest too. My, my intake at home has definitely uh, risen a little bit, but I, I don't, I feel like I'm being safe. I'll have the occasional Budweiser or beer, but I drink uh, tequila on ice. And um, so my shots aren't, uh, it's not me pouring them into a, a shot glass and firing them back. I'm just enjoying a fine sip of a, of decent tequila. So there's been several, I've been thinking about Mikey a lot, to be honest. Do you think that's, part of the times just kind of giving more people more time to reflect and well i mean i i, I don't I, if this wasn't happening i wouldn't be watching bayless on the internet or joel on the <laughs> internet and you know stalking my bandmates doing uh creative things because when i would leave them i'd be like all right fuck you guys i need to go home and be with my family for a little <laughs> while oh wait okay we're back okay i'll see you again and now I'm not, who knows the next time i'm gonna see them in person so i've been uh i've been uh, watching them and supporting them online and i think that's definitely sparked um, the memories and, and, um, I do have several friends that, that send me old links of, uh, of Miro playing and, and, um, old shows that we've done. I see him. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you guys just streamed the, uh, reel to reel, which was another throwback. And it's, it's a real like sentimental documentary, really. Like I was in Denver for the debut and like, even in the live setting, it was bringing tears to my eyes and like everybody around me was feeling the same way. It was, it's a really emotional and powerful documentary. It's really cool. Yeah. I didn't watch the, I wasn't, uh, I didn't watch the stream. Um, so I haven't seen it since the Colorado debut. Maybe I'll have to, uh, dive back into that late night. Yeah, it was cool. Um, do you think, uh, Bayless will ever let you in on some of the streams? And... No, 
I, I was this close on one <laughs> of them and I, I had called him um, before and I was like, listen, I just want you to let me in an Instagram. I'll do a shot for Miro and then you can let me go. But now he has moved to YouTube and that's uh, not possible. So uh, he did play Let Me In For Me. Um, <laughs> is that John Lennon's song? Yeah, yeah. It's John, John Lennon, right? Uh, so he, I, I did get a, a few requests out of those, but I was never, uh, I was never graced or honored with being let in. Right. Well, I will put this idea into your head because they tend to always do the encores for Instagram. So there is the opportunity if you stay up late enough to be let there, in. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's on central time and I have two kids that wake <laughs> up at 6am no matter what. So that, that's where it gets a little rough. I mean, that's, that's almost after midnight for me, but Hey, you never know. Maybe on a, it is Friday, right? That's right. Who, I don't even know the days anymore. I mean, <laughs> today's Wednesday, right? Uh, yes, yes it is. <laughs> October. <laughs> so how many pairs of sunglasses do you have? Can you see that right there? Yeah. Those aren't all mine. Uh, my wife, I have some of my wives up on there too. So, um, a little bit of a sunglass hoarder, probably, <laughs> probably 50. No, that's, that's a good Good collection. I've got, uh, I have them in my guitar cases on the road or bass cases. And I have, uh, about four different pair in the, uh, in the truck too. Cause you never know. Nice. Is that a mandolin and banjo on the wall? Yeah. So can, can um, you play? Not very well. I have a <clears throat> beginner book here. Uh, my wife and I, she wants to start learning banjo. So we're going to, we're going to start plucking the banjo. Um, the mandolin is missing missing a couple strings. So I need to restring that just um, for show. I, it's got smaller frets. So I'm wondering if, if maybe, maybe Mary Welch or punky might get into that. Um, the banjo is definitely going to come down. The Budweiser guitars, uh, my buddy Mike Hattel gifted me the blue one with the Chicago flag. And then the red one, I walked into a, a pawn shop in uh, St. Louis and saw it. And I was like, all right, what can <laughs> I pawn off here to walk out of here with this so i traded him some base gear from the road so i could get that one and it came in a, a coffin case which is pretty cool but i, nice. I do try and give a, i got a lot of bases down here too i do try and give them uh, a lot of love so i've been messing around i've got a, a pedal pods these guys sent me um these build your own pedal pods and i just let me see if i can show you here You see that? Yep. So they sent me these pedal pods. So um, I built it and put it all together. And, and now I've got a, a little home uh, pedal board. It's super clean. It's super, it looks great too, because you get the LED lights behind it if you want to light it up or if you're playing on a, on a dark stage or whatnot. So I'm hoping to use that for some Doom Flamingo stuff. So I'm staying nice. busy up here, um, trying to mess around with a, with you know bass effects and pedals and most of my stuff is on the semi on the road but um the stuff here i'm trying to you know as i'm recording baseline stuff trying to come experiment with uh, different combinations and and different sounds and i do that in some of my bass lessons too you know we get into techniques and and, and effects so it's not always just uh you know scales yeah what is your favorite pedal uh, i mean it's hard not to love um an octave pedal I have a, butter, uh, a buddy, uh, Spencer Dorn, who works for a, a three-leaf audio and makes amazing pedals. 
unfortunately, all of those pedals are on the road. Um, he makes a envelope filter, octave pedal. Um, he is sending one back to me now, a Chromatron, um, which I'm super stoked for its arrival so I can work on here. But I mean, right now I got to go with just an octave pedal is definitely my, my favorite pedal. Nice. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I'll let you get back to your crazy life, but uh, live, live lessons, Unfreeze and Doom Flamingo. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. This was awesome. Cheers. Mr. Ryan Favick, Stacy, right there, yeah. Thank you.